Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Greed. Xenophobia. White supremacy. A nation in the grips of a pandemic. Healthcare resources strained to their limits. An economy on the brink of collapse. And at the helm, a clueless con artist who cares more about his own re-election over saving lives. Join Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left that's right. Live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan and 24-7 at liberaldan.com. We must unite to save this country in spite of this buffoon's ineptitude before it's too late. Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left, that's right. This is your uh, host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's air code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. You can also listen, uh, if you're in the chat room, on live, listening live, you can join us in the chat room at uh, the show page, and if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the uh, show page or on the website liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. This show is getting off to a really good start. Um, Of course, the uh, normal dial-in procedures on Blog Talk Radio are not up and running, so I had to connect in through Skype, and Skype has given me fits, but I managed to get the show started right away, right on time, and then, of course, I'm trying to unmute myself after the uh, intro, and uh, my mouse is moving all over the place. So if that tells you what, what today's show might look like, I don't know, maybe I should just not uh, do the rest of the show, but um, we shall see. So... Um, doing open lines today, whatever anybody wants to talk about, um, bring it on. I'm going to be ranting about certain things, um, you know, that I want to rant about, but anything you want to talk about, bring it on. If I, if I'm able to comment on it, I will, or while you're talking, I might go look it up and see if I can make some, some educated comments after the fact. Um, but there's lots of stuff going on. In the news, obviously, uh, last week we talked about Ahmad Aubrey, and so I wanted to go ahead and start talking about him again to start off this show. Um, again, they finally went ahead and arrested them as well. Uh, but there's, you know, more stuff coming out. There's just some interesting articles that I'm seeing here uh, when it comes to uh, updates and news. Whatever you had the the guy, it has been revealed that who the guy was and who was recording the video. And he basically said that he came forward with the video 
because he felt that it was going to free his the people that he was following. He thought it was going to help them, not uh, now, I don't think he released it to the court of public opinion. That might have been somebody else. But he, I think, turned it into the police. And he thought that it would somehow vindicate the racists. That, that's, how, that's how blind these people are. That's how blind they are. You sit there and I watch this video and I see the brutal murder of a black person simply because he's black. This guy watches the same, or takes the same video, and according to some of the people I've spoken with, if you listen to the video, you hear a, what sounds like a gun cocking, and it might have very well been his own that he was getting ready to use uh, when it was no longer needed to be used. And he thinks that it vindicates the racists. No. Not one bit, but it also not only ridiculous to, for him to think that it vindicates the racists, it's ridiculous to think that he would have to turn in a video to begin with. Because, I mean, sure. No, you, actually, let me, I'll get to that in a second. If you, you think that they're innocent, and you haven't been asked to provide this video, why would you give the video? There's no reason to. If they're not charging them with a crime, which they weren't charging them with a crime, until the public found out about this, and then they were like, oh, well, we better do something here. You know, in my opinion, this is probably just a dog and pony show, that there's no intention to actually get a conviction here, that that they're going to stack the jury with sympathetic kinfolk or whatever and basically say, yeah, well, we tried to convict them, but they, the jury found them not guilty, so there you go. Just like another George Zimmerman. Just like another George Zimmerman. And that's what I'm worried about, This is that this is going to be another George Zimmerman. But I had people in conversations about this saying, why... You know, why are we angry at this guy for coming forward with the video? Because he was filming a lynching of a black man. That's why we're mad at this guy. doesn't matter. I mean, and, I don't, and he, again, he came forward because he believed it would help vindicate his fellow uh, compatriots or non-patriots or Confederate patriots, or whatever the hell you want, to, whatever you want to label them. The... The idea that this video somehow vindicates them is ridiculous. But I don't expect these uh, mental geniuses here with the uh, down there in in Georgia and in the deep in the heart of Georgia, just 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 two good old boys, uh, meaning a bunch of harm and. That was a Dukes of Hazard reference for anybody who's not old enough to understand that. Um, now, an interesting thing happened. I posted this on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash liberaldan. If you go and you look there, it's a CNN article, unsigned note. 
left at the Ahmad Arbery Memorial. It says, Ahmad, I'm so sorry. I should have stopped them. I am so sorry. Not signed or anything. Who did this? Now, who? Is, is it possible that it's the guy with the video? No, I don't think so. Is it possible that there is a witness to what happened that was maybe afraid to act but now feels guilty because it didn't act? But this is the thing. This person needs to be found and protected so that they can say whatever it is that they know because apparently this person was able to stop them or felt like at some point they would have been able to stop them except for that they didn't. So I'm not going to – if there are three raging rednecks chasing after a black guy with guns and I don't have a gun, I – I mean, unless I'm a, unless I have a sniper rifle or something, you know, I don't think that I would feel that I would be adequately armed or or equipped to to do that. I'd call the cops. I'd give my I'd give my I give my uh, two cents. Make sure they they knew that there was something bad going about to go down. Don't know how I'd react in that situation, honestly. If, if I saw two rednecks with guns chasing after somebody and I didn't have a means to protect myself, that'd be difficult. Difficult decision to have to make. I, I'd probably I'd do what I could, but yeah, two two red maybe even three rednecks with guns. You don't know. We don't know who, how the person in the fo- in the following car was armed. Although we did, somebody did say that they heard a gun cocking in the in the video that he took. But I really want to find out who this person is. Um, and so do they, obviously. I mean, they want they want this person to come forward and, and say, look, we need to figure out who this is so we can get more evidence against these racist bigot lynchers. So, and we also got, now, uh, of course, give this with a uh, as many grains of salt as you feel appropriate because it's from TMZ. But TMZ is, is saying, and there's another reason why you should perhaps take this with as many grains of salt as, as, as possible, because there's there's the TMZ article saying that the Ahmad Arbery murder suspects allegedly saw him trespass properties while they were shooting. It doesn't matter. He could have been trespassing every damn day, according to them. It does not give them the authority, the ability, or the right to murder anybody. Furthermore, uh, they're saying that the alleged murderers came face-to-face with a young black man in the neighborhood less than two weeks prior to the shooting, and now another neighbor claims it was Ahmad that they confronted. Uh, Travis McMichael, here's the thing, called police on February 11th at around 7.30 p.m. to report an unknown, and and they quote in the article, lighter-skinned black male. I've seen pictures of Ahmad Arbery. I've seen pictures of him. He's not a lighter-skinned black male. I mean, he's not like minute bull dark, but he's not lighter-skinned. That's not an appropriate description of him. 
I'm not trying to get all brown paper baggy or anything. That's something else I guess I could rant about a little bit today. There was something else that's on the forum, but I'll get to that maybe after the after the first break. But you know, to describe, I don't think it is accurate in that. And I've reached out to some friends of mine, I two of which actually called in last week. I don't think it's appropriate to say that or, or accurate to be have a better word to say that he was lighter skinned. I mean, there's either two things. So, A, it's either evidence that they're not. It's either evidence that this was not Aubrey that they confronted the week before. And, and or B, they're just racist who believe that all black people look alike and therefore cannot be trusted to be a good eyewitness when it comes to this. And, of course, there's C, you know, we could have we could always ask about Aubrey, but oh no, we can't because he's dead. So and I don't think a ghost scene with a séance is going to be admissible in court. So we can't ask him if he had a similar confrontation previous to the his murder. So we have to believe these people that it was really him. No, I think they should have to prove. They should have to prove that it was him. They should have to prove that it was Aubrey that was there with evidence. They should not be able to just claim that they believed he was there again and try and dirty up his character in order to be able to get enough people on a jury. Because that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to say, oh, well, he was a frequent and constant uh, trespasser onto our property. And as such, we had reason to fear for our lives and yada, yada, yada. And to give enough evidence or give enough, put enough doubt in the minds of the jury to say, well, I mean, if he was constantly trespassing, then maybe, just maybe we should forgive these guys because it was just an honest mistake probably what they would say but we will learn more as as it comes forward we will if, if this story is true and uh, we do have bring it boy back in the chat after a long while so hey there shout out to you um bringing it boy um welcome back i uh, was wondering on a previous episode where you had been in the last few weeks i was hoping that you had not uh succumbed to the rona so, but anyway, that's going to be the end of this segment of the show. Let me just go ahead and take a break, and we will be right back with your calls. Uh, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. 
There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life, talking about all kinds of things, political things. Nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tune. Would you like to support Liberal Dan Radio? Would you like a shout out on the podcast or the minicast? Would you like to purchase advertising or sponsor a bit like Hypocrite of the Week or Words of Redneck Wisdom? You can even sponsor the whole hour. Then become a Liberal Dan Patreon. You can help me grow my audience, and for a limited time, first-hour advertisers will lock in their rates for the life of the podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash liberaldan and support the show today. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Sherman, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Or if you're like bringing it, boy, you can uh, join us in the chat at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Come to the show page, the episode page, so to speak. And at the bottom, you will see the uh, show the chat area and you can leave comments, questions in there. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can also leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. over on the show thread at liberaldan.com on facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. And if you want to support the podcast, as I hope you would, you would go to Patreon. Of course, this is a rough time for everybody, so please, if you can't afford to support the show, please don't. I've been doing it for a long enough time. I don't need contributions to continue but if i do get contributions it'll help me expand the show which is what i'm eventually hoping to do multiple hours multiple days etc that would be nice so for the break we're talking about the amada aubrey case and his uh, killing and how um, we've had a few interesting things going on when it comes to that um going to move on a little bit. Of course, anybody, if you want to call in and talk about that, you're free to do so. Um, again, this is an open line show, but until I get a phone call, which I usually don't. I think a lot of the people listen after the fact who do listen. Um, but if you do have things that you would like me to comment on, if I do know about it, I'll try and give my two cents. Um, one of the interesting things that happened over the past week is the fact that the Justice Department has decided that they're going to drop the case. 
against Michael Flynn after Michael Flynn decided that he was going to um, pull back, I guess, on his not guilty plea. I guess he was um, lying when he made a statement to the court. And what's interesting is that um, just just about an hour ago, according to the webpage I am looking at, um, 8.17 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, just, just about an hour ago, because it is it, almost exactly an hour ago. Um, today, May 13th. There you go. Um, presiding judge in Michael Flynn's criminal case has appointed a retired judge to present arguments in opposition to the Justice Department's move to dismiss its prosecution of the former National Security Advisor. Uh, John Gleason, who is a retired judge from the Eastern District of New York, uh, will be acting as a, quote, friend of the court um, and looking into whether or not Flynn should face a contempt hearing for perjury. Because basically, when you give a plea agreement, when you make a plea deal, you're not just pleading because it's, you know, this, you, you want to try and get off, you know, or easy. When you plead guilty, you are you are confirming to the court that you're doing it for no other reason except for the fact that you really are guilty. You're not trying to do it to get a, now. Look, I'm sure there are other plenty of people out there who have pled guilty uh, because they were either advised by counsel or some other um, that look. This is going to be the easiest way for you to get away with the least amount of time, so therefore do it. I'm sure there are a lot of people in jail in prison right now under those very same circumstances. So I'm not going to pretend that this isn't a real thing that goes on or that, that people don't sometimes plead guilty uh, when they're not guilty. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that people don't settle out of court uh, when they're not, uh, when, when they, and they'll say, hey, we don't, but when they, in a civil trial, when they settle out of court, uh, they'll typically be like, look, this is not me admitting that I'm, that I'm responsible for this. I'm just going to help pay for this to go away uh, because, well, you know, it's cheaper than paying an attorney for a long amount of time. So that's, that's why that happens, too. So let's not pretend that that's not a thing that goes on. Um, the order for, to make uh, Sullivan, no, I'm, I'm sorry, to make Gleason a uh, friend of the court has nothing to do, I don't think, or, or does not address uh, the government's attempt uh, to, uh, to drop the case. Um, and it's, it's interesting that they would try and drop the case now. I mean, maybe the times right now, but you would think that this would be something that might wait till after the election, that they would want to make sure that this happens after the election. So this is not an issue that where it looks like, oh, Donald Trump's Justice Department is, is going to drop a case of somebody who pled guilty. It doesn't look good. I, I hate the term, but the optics here are not optimal. I don't like the term optics. I think it's just uh, I haven't heard it much. And the course today, if we're to bring up boy, the course today wants you wants you to plead not guilty so they don't have to jail you. I mean, people will plead not typically. I think I don't know what what the odds are or like how many people plead guilty uh, versus how many people plead not guilty. And so of those people, I don't know how many people who plead guilty are doing so uh, because they're trying to get off from a lesser sentence versus if they're legitimately not guilty. Um, but I think a lot of the people who are not guilty, who are innocent, will tend to plead not guilty uh, if they have the means to defend themselves at least, which is, like, I guess, something we do have to uh, consider. 
Um, let's see. The amicus, upon consideration of time in this case, it is hereby ordered that the court exercise its in authority, its inherent authority to appoint John Gleason um, to the government's motion to dismiss um, the amicus brief, amicus curiae, amicus brief. I shall address whether the court should issue an order to show cause why Mr. Flynn should not be held in criminal contempt for perjury pursuant to the Federal Court of Criminal Procedure, uh, the court's inherent authority, and although the applicable statutes rule are controlling the law. Well, that's not very exciting, though. There wasn't much. Um, interesting, there's been a glitch. I don't know why there was a glitch. I wasn't even trying to go to flat. Um, let's see. The presiding judge in the... Was that, no, that was still the same thing I just read. So the Sullivan issued an order. Oh, that's another for some reason it's going to Slack. Very weird. Why is it trying to open that in Slack? That's just bizarre. Let's go ahead and I had no idea. <laughs> My computer is acting very weird. Here we go. I found. I I, I shortened down the link and got it. Judge in Flynn's case advice brief. Uh, the judge in the hearing of formal national security national security advisor Michael Flynn. Um, he wanted to fund the court briefs, but not address the government's reversal or suggest when he might. Uh, Sullivan did not did order did mention such filings known within the legal world as the amicus briefs. Um, the amicus has an interest in some other case that may be affected by the decision by the present case. Um, bum, 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 bum. Critics have said Attorney General Barr has sabotaged the Justice Department's independence from the White House by interceding the case. This is involving friends of President Trump, first with Stone, now with Flynn. Um, so this is just another example um, of the corruption of this administration. But Dan, what about all the other administrations that are corrupt? No. No whataboutisms here. We're not going to do whataboutisms. I'm not saying anybody has done it yet, but I'm just saying we're not going to do whataboutisms because we're dealing with the current administration right now, especially when the current administration was supposedly going to be cleaning up the sw- draining. I'm sorry, draining the swamp. The swamp was supposed to be drained. This does not seem like the swamp is drained. This seems like the swamp might have been drained, but was replaced with an even more swampier swamp, uh, i.e. much more corrupt situation. Um, during the final days of the Obama administration, a White House official sought to, quote, unmask Flynn's name and revealed it to the Washington Post. The official has never been identified, but Trump and Republicans have fulminated ever since about the incident, which they call an abuse of intelligence power. Here's the thing. Um, Grinnell has given the Justice Department the names of the people in the administration of Barack Obama who has seen, who asked to see Flynn's name. In the intelligence reporting about conversations taking place with Russia, then ambassador to the United States, uh, such targets are monitored within the United States, which is how the FBI Justice Department knew that Flynn's public accounts of his talks with the ambassador didn't match what had really transpired. Uh, he, he was lying. Um, and and that's, again, that's what they're trying to say. Like, um, They're trying to say that Donald Trump, or Donald Trump, when he was in front of the media, he was like, look, we have these, these people have committed crimes, and the media was like, well, what crimes? You know, the crimes, the crimes you committed. What crimes? You, you, the crimes you won't report on. Those are the, or I'm sorry, I have to do the Trump. The crimes that you won't report on, the, 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 those big crimes, they're big-time crimes, and the Obama administration did them, very corrupt. 
you know, we're much less corrupt than they are. We, we, we are spotless. We, we don't commit crimes. It was the Obama administration. They committed crimes, and they made it impossible for us to test for the COVID idea because they had damage tests. Yeah, that was the other thing. Um, yeah, or one other thing, one of many things. Obama damaged, Obama hurt our ability because we have damaged tests, and then the, that way we we couldn't test for a virus that was not around yet. Yeah, that flies. The past administration is part of the problem of today's administration's bigly crimes. Yeah, see, that's one thing. I I think I might have talked about this in the show before. Is it bigly? Does he really say bigly, or is he saying big league? Like these are big league crimes, big league. But just when he when he talks and everything kind of slurs together, big league sounds like bigly. Especially if you're trying to get the next word, you don't want to end in the g. The big league, big league, big league kind of sounds similar. And if he was really saying big league, maybe I wouldn't make fun of him so much. Except for just it still sounds like he says big league. And there are other things to to mock or to criticize. Uh, of him that he does that um, where you don't need to mock that but sometimes the low hanging fruit are the easiest to pick um, so even if they're a little rotten um, but yeah there's oh, there's, and, and you know in the middle of, of briefings about the coronavirus does, does, does he bring up Obama's crimes because that's what he needs to do he wants to obfuscate the issue here because the issue is um, I see in the chat room bombastic bigly and I just want to I just think of they call me Mr. Fantastic Mr. Bombastic sorry um, I'm so little Shabba out there um, so you know he's trying to distract away from the fact that he just completely is losing his mind when it comes to he can't even handle to be questioned by a female reporter. Because once they do, he just he, he left. He just threw a tantrum and left the other day, when when one of the women reporters was asking him to kind of confirm things. And and these these numbers that he's giving. Oh, we're you know I saw one of these things and I've I've stopped doing my because once he stopped doing the some of the press briefings. I don't know exactly which when he does them and when he doesn't anymore. It's hard to tell. So I haven't tried to catch another one so I can make responses. Uh, to what they are saying in these hearings. Um, But I saw a picture of one, and it was him with this big old sign in front of the White House, basically using the White House lawn as a giant for a giant campaign monument that says, the most tests. So we've gotten the most tests done, which, again, I'll talk about this still. I'm blue in the face, and hopefully not blue in the face from the Rona. Are we talking about because it's not, we don't have the most tests per capita. We do not have the most tests per capita. And that's what we need to have happen. And we are well behind where we need to be on testing. Uh, this president dropped the ball when it came to testing in the first place. We should have been starting it much more quickly. Instead, he was worrying about, oh, we have 15 cases now, and soon it will disappear like a miracle. It will just vanish and it'll be gone it'll be beautiful nope it didn't disappear he didn't take this serious enough he didn't set the example that's the other thing is that now you have news reporting that the 
the virus is spreading all in the West Wing. How would we have prevented the virus from spreading all throughout the West Wing? Maybe if they would have used measures like social distancing, keeping six feet apart, and wearing facial coverings in the West Wing. And maybe if he would have set the example and wore face masks himself, if he would have set the example and you know, he didn't have to sit behind the resolute desk and wear a mask, if no one was in there, fine. You don't have to, if you're sitting alone in an office, you don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to. Even if you're in an office, you don't have to wear a mask whilst working in your office. Now, if you're in a meeting with other people, yes. If you're if you're if you're if you're going to be in closer spaces, everyone should be wearing a mask, and you can talk with the masks on. And it's the best way, one of the best ways to help prevent the spread of the disease. And by doing so, in in several states, you know, we've seen numbers decline because we've, you know, either had requirements for face masks or whatever. Now, of course. This brings us to the the imbecilic arguments made by a bunch of the uh, liberate America, the hashtag liberate America, hashtag liberate Michigan, hashtag liberate Illinois, the one with them was holding up the Nazi uh, sign from Auschwitz, where work brings freedom, go screw yourself, woman. Um, no, that's just not appropriate. Um, but the same argument... I get so tired. You know, the same argument. If, if I don't mind if you're repeating a scientific argument. If you're saying uh, we need to social distance each other from each other and put on facial coverings when we're going to be, you know, out in public, because if we if we do so, we're going to flatten the curve. And if you understand all those words and and understand that it's it's you know has meaning and it's valid, then absolutely, I have no problem with you repeating those words and people repeating those words but when you're repeating criticisms of those actions like if if you're afraid just stay home because you're afraid just stay home if you're afraid I've heard that over and over and over again from conservatives who don't seem to get this argument of what the argument is. It's not about personal fear. It's not about the fact, I'm not afraid. I don't want, someone else was making the argument that also that I was afraid or whatever, and also that I want to have government be on my back or something like that. No, I mean, I think government needs to be as big as it needs to be and it needs to be as small as it needs to be. I don't want government involved in my personal decisions that have no effect on everybody else. If no effect on anybody else, then absolutely I want government to stay out of my life. However, if it affects other people, then yes. And it goes. People will say, you have the right to swing your fist. You have the right to swing your fist as long as it doesn't hit my face, which is actually false. You don't have the right to swing your fist at my face because that's assault. You make a threatening gesture towards me, that's assault. If you hit my face, that's battery. So you don't even have the right to threaten, to be a threat to me. Even if you don't actually cause me damage, the assault is potentially damage enough. The law has understood this for years. But So if you don't have the right to swing your fist at me because it's a threat to me, even if it doesn't actually cause physical harm, 
then you also don't have the right to walk around during a pandemic without following proper precautions. But even if I say things like, well, uh, let's, let's talk about, you know, I, I asked somebody about whether or not, because a friend of mine who's conservative said, well, if, if, the, if, the, if the business itself said that I, I could not enter the business without wearing a mask, I would respect that. And I was like, but if the government told, suggested to the business that they should pr- stop people from wearing masks, you'd be mad? He was like, yeah, it's not government's role. And these people were so mad. And I'm like, I just said suggested. I didn't even say required. But the, the, but the mere idea that government is suggesting that you do a thing is, is enough to make these people angry. And I was like, oh, you sure must get pissed off at boil orders. Well, down in Louisiana, if you, if you have a power loss that causes the pumps to turn off, You'll get a boil order advisory, and they'll tell you, look, boil the water. Don't drink the water until, it is, until it's been tested and safe. Well, guess what? You know, I was like, look, these people must be like, I- I'm not going to boil any of this gosh darn water. I'm going to drink this water because of liberty. I'm going to fight the tyranny of the sewage and water board because they're not going to. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, we got a caller, so let's uh, go ahead and. Hit up the caller real quick. Hey, caller, how you doing? Hello. I'm all right. Thank you for taking my call. How's California? Hello. Yes. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Yes, I remember. (laughs) So I just wanted to comment briefly on um, what you were just talking about as far as the whole um, being responsible and, you know, taking into consideration others. Um, Right with this whole coronavirus. But California had passed a law in the last election that made it possible for people with AIDS not to have to tell the person that they may be having intimate relationship with that they have AIDS. And I absolutely 100% disagree with that law. (laughs) I disagree with that law. In order to, to, um, you know, as far as the whole stigma thing goes, which didn't make any sense to me because it's not a stigma thing. It's a health thing. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I, I understand the argument being made by them. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Um, because of the fact that, to me, like, back in my single days, um, hell, even now, I'm married. If I have a cold, I feel like I, have, I might have a cold coming on. I tell my wife before I kiss her. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's a matter of consent. You know, you should be able to have informed consent. And, and if anything that I have could potentially affect you, then I should be mm-hmm. required to tell you that before we initiate any sexual activity. So sure. if, if, if I have a cold and I'm trying to, well, make moves on my wife or whatever, because obviously I'm married, but... You know, or when I was single, if I was feeling sick, if I felt some sort of illness coming on, I'd be like, look, I don't feel this. I don't feel that great. You know, and I'll leave it up to you as to whether or not you want to, you know, come over and see me or what have you. So and that's just sure. a cold. That, mm-hmm. that, that, that's something mm-hmm. that will go away. So absolutely. I, I agree with you 100 percent that 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 law is ill, ill found, ill formed, ill written. Um, if, if you were going to. Uh, now, now there is a it is a statement that many represent as factual 
And I guess I'll put it that way because I don't know if I've heard Doc say it specifically as the truth. Um, if someone is on the antiviral medicines um, while after a positive HIV test and they take those drugs responsibly and carefully and to the point where they have no detectable viral load, it is statistically safer to have sex with them than it is to have sex with somebody who is has not been tested because the odds of you getting HIV from the people who have not been tested, uh, as, as to the best of my understanding, is greater mm-hmm. than the odds of having catching HIV from an individual in that situation. That sure, being and that said, could be proposed as a logical argument, yes. Um, right, go ahead. but I'm that being said, but even, but even if that's the case, that, you know, I, I you should still have to tell. You should still have, you know, if you don't have any, someone has herpes, you don't have any uh, active sores, you, 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 you know, it, it, it could still potentially be transmitted. You don't know. So, and the person, with, the person or people with whom you're, anybody's having sexual relations with, uh, they should be able to make an informed decision based on the threats and the risks that are made to them. And if they are comfortable um, with, you know, if that person is in that situation as described where there's a undetectable viral load because they've taken the medicines and if they make the informed decision to then continue on and having sexual relations with that person, absolutely 100%. By all means, they should go right. ahead and do it. But they have the, because they have the informed consent. I, Liberal Dan Radio is 100% in support of, any, of consent. <laughs> so, and, and I think that that law <laughs> takes away somebody's ability to consent in those situations because it doesn't require. Now, Hopefully, people who are HIV positive would still come come forward and say, "Look, you know, just because the law says you don't have to, doesn't mean that you should." And I would still be judgy of anybody who didn't come forward, who said, "Well, I didn't have to tell you because the California law didn't make me." Well, you're still a horrible person for not telling in the first place. Um, right. And and if you're maybe and and I guess something else I would throw in there is that if you're afraid, like if I. If if you're afraid of the person, if the person you tell that you're HIV positive to might attack you if they or harm you in some way, if they found out that you're HIV positive, you know, before or after you were about to have sex, well, maybe you shouldn't have sex with that person in the first place because you don't trust them enough to tell be honest with them. Right, exactly, and it's it, well, it just goes to starting any relationship with with any lies, you know, and then thinking maybe it'll just be better if I talk about it later after she's is into me or he's into right. me type thing. It's like, no, that's not a good way to go about things. You're going to just piss him off. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and even if, even if it's not a relationship, even if it's just a one-night stand hookup, be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, and tell you exactly yeah. what's going on. And, and and if they're fine with it, then they're fine with it. And if they're not fine, like, to me, the argument that people don't have to disclose is, is one that's very like if you were to make the argument, well, I don't have to disclose if I don't have to, I don't have to tell you. Like that's that that to me is that person saying that they have a right to your body and they don't. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, but yeah, so 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 and I will look. And if I'm ever in a situation where where you or anybody else listening to the podcast finds that I'm being hypocritical when it comes to uh, the actions that would affect the health of others be it with these testing, these required disclosure laws or, or non-required disclosure laws or with the uh, pandemic, absolutely call in, call me out on it. I'm, I'm, I will absolutely 
um, look at it and change my point of view. But at least I think we can agree that I'm, I'm being consistent on both things in this, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate that very much. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's why I call in. It's because I can talk to you and, and, yeah. and you're willing to listen if, if, um, if I feel like I need to call you out and then end up finding out, well, I didn't call you out after all because you actually felt the same way or, <laughs> or meant the same way. Or <laughs> yes. We can find common ground here on Liberal Dan Radio between left and the right. And like, I mean, you've, you've said things that are conservative when you've called in and, and I, um, you know, and obviously we've disagreed on certain things, but you know, I don't think you're as conservative as other people. At least you don't lead on that you, that you're as diehard. You're not a, you don't seem to be a closed-minded type conservative that are not that is not open to hearing. Like if we were having a conversation, I guess a better way to put it is I don't think I'd ever hear from you the the the, the argument. I'll never convince you. You'll never convince me. Because I heard that the other day, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't put your closed-mindedness on me. If I hear new facts, I will change my mind. It's, it's happened before. It'll happen again. I'm sure. And you seem like somebody mm-hmm. who is also similarly inclined in that, you know, if you you're not beholden to a party or an ideology, you're, you you want to base things off of truth and facts. And if you, yeah. you know, I would and think I, that yeah, I don't know everything, and that's that's the right. beauty of it is I love learning. And so if there was one aspect that I didn't, um, you know, include in my bit broader picture, um, then it's something new I learned. And like you said, as far as my my opinion or belief. Uh, may be altered because of that, something new that I learned, or it may confirm. But, um, I'm, yeah, always right. willing to listen to what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you're listening to my podcast, and you've listened multiple times, so I appreciate that as well. So, and everything, Absolutely. everything's going well. well with you and your family, and everything's going well with you and your family out there with the virus? Oh, yes. Everybody's healthy, and we're doing fine. Um, I just want to say, you know, you're you're a decent man. Um, with integrity, and that's one of the reasons why I listen to your show. And again, you know, we don't always agree on things, but um, I enjoy listening to your perspective. Awesome. Can I use that on a future show, like on a commercial? Sure. Awesome. <laughs> I'm a conservative. Cool. I'm gonna have to cut that. Out. I'm gonna have to cut that out and be like, here's what they say about liberal Dan. Boom. There you go. So I appreciate you as well. Maybe maybe more people listen to my show with somebody else would be like, you know. Hey, this is what this is what a conservative says about Dan. There you go. I mean, I, a lot of the times I do find that though, where a lot of the friends that people that I'm conservative with, or friends with who are conservatives, will make the comment that you know, you know, I'm I'm willing to be fair, I'm willing to be honest, I'm willing to have, you know discuss things with integrity. So hopefully, I've actually gotten more liberals who have said you know negative things about me, but typically those are the people that were, are angry that I haven't been like, or that I nitpick Bernie Sanders when I do. So. <laughs> Uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with the crystal ball from the hill, but uh, she's very much the same way as far as open-minded um, and fair, and she's not one-sided. And she had commented on something that Trump, she said, not really praised him, but she had commented in, in, in some positive way. And But she was, you know, as far as she doesn't bag on the left or she is a Democrat, but she wasn't happy with right. the way the Democrats were handling something, and she just got all kinds of hate tweets <laughs> and everything oh, yeah. else. And that, yes, because she, they were saying, "Oh, you're a Trump fan now. You're a Trump supporter." And, and she, how how do you figure? You know, I I mentioned a small thing, and then the rest was you know everything else. And 
So for that one small thing, now I'm a Trump supporter and you all hate me and you want me off the show. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Oh, I shared I shared the video that um, George W. Bush made about, you know, coming together in the pandemic and, you know, we came together with 9-11, we can do it again and stuff like that. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was a well-spoken, well-created, um, good message. And I was like, just because I'm sharing this message doesn't mean I agree with George W. Bush on, on most, many things. Um, you know, I do, I do think it's cute. You know, I think that's that's great. Um, it gave me yeah. shit because I was willing to look. If you and part of my language, everybody, but if you want to, uh, if you want to, uh, if I disagree with somebody a lot of the times, but if, it doesn't do any good if when they do the things I agree with, I ignore it. I, I think it's it's good, better to say, oh yeah, that's a good thing, and, and that's a way to find common ground with people and a way to work, move together. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah will want to do the opposite these days. So, <laughs> Yes, it's all the pointing fingers okay. at each other type thing, and, and that's a bad thing because this. we all do some good things, you know, at some point or another, and in this case, we George W. Bush sent out a good message. Let me go so. ahead and go to the next commercial block, um, see if I hear this, uh, Taking continue taking people's calls. If you want to call in, again, it's 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say. Sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the team. Would you like to support Liberal Dan Radio? Would you like a shout-out on the podcast or the minicast? Would you like to purchase advertising or sponsor a bit 
like Hypocrite of the Week or Words of Redneck Wisdom. You can even sponsor the whole hour. Then become a Liberal Dan Patreon. You can help me grow my audience, and for a limited time, First Hour advertisers will lock in their rates for the life of the podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash liberaldan and support the show today. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Uh, this is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, again, to join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Um, let's go ahead and bring on our friend from California back, if she is still there. I think I lost you. I think my Skype call went out for some reason. So I uh, did want to go back to you and make sure that uh, – you got to finish your thought. Hello? I don't know. I think she... Hey, are you, are you still there? Oh, liberal Dan. Grandma used to always tell me, don't say anything if you can't say anything nice, and I can say lots of things nice about you. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, I'm going to go on. I, were you say, like, I think I lost you a little bit there. I think I might have my signal might have dropped out with my... Um, with Skype, I have to call back in on my cell phone, unfortunately, but which doesn't give wow. me the best sound. But um, I did want to, you know, again, thank you for calling in or whatever. I didn't want to leave you without saying goodbye. So I was saying, saying thank you for calling in and your nice words. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for taking my call. And I was just wondering if you might be interested in being a guest on my show. And I think um, my listeners would enjoy a conversation other than just hearing me talk. <laughs> where, Absolutely. You know, we're actually getting a different perspective. Um, I, sure. I'm a speaker, so I don't get actual phone calls in, um, but I do have a chat room so they can ask questions or they chat in there. Um, but it's on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. on Spreaker, and I would love to have you on the show um, just because we can discuss things without um, calling names and hanging up. <laughs> That would be great. Yeah, email me. At, email me at, at uh, liberaldanradio at gmail dot com, and um, yeah, we can set it up. Liberaldan oh. at gmail. Liberaldan radio. Oh, liberaldan radio. Yeah, at gmail dot com. Okay. Okay. Great. All right. Perfect. That sounds good. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And you, you, and you are have right over on your switchboard there. So please feel welcome to call I, anytime. Yes. And, awesome. Um, thank you. <laughs> Have a great Perfect. night. You as well. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. So I may be uh, – oops. I hope I didn't mute myself there. Maybe on another another podcast a little bit or next week or whenever we figure out the good time to do it is. Um, I was not ignoring it. You ignoring you bringing a boy. Uh, let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Nasty Pelosi was telling the people to come to Chinatown – I think her invitations of people to go to Chantan was before it was known about how big it was. You go back to 124-2020. I don't think we had many confirmed cases at that time. I think when the Ash Wednesday hit, which was in February, I want to say we had 15 confirmed cases at the time. And that doesn't mean there was 15 cases in the country. It just means 15 confirmed cases. I am fairly certain that I had the Rona um, when it when it was just about that time, just about 
uh, the end of January. I'm pretty sure that that happened. Um, trying to set an offense uh, to feel what kind of dog ears are best to sit, bike, or round at once. Okay. Uh, thank you again for the good conversation that I have. Oh, I, I do like it when she calls in. It's, uh, I think it always makes for good radio. Of course, I love when anybody calls in for the most part. Last week we had uh, an interesting guy and my friends that were calling after the fact. We're like, get him off the air. But, I mean, if, if we don't have people on from differing uh, points of view to discuss the show, then I think it then makes it very – you don't want to have a, have a so-called echo chamber, if you will. You do want to be able to – debate the points and hopefully do it respectfully. Uh, so one thing before I guess we end the show for today, um, reporting that Wisconsin Supreme Court, four to three, um, a Wisconsin Supreme Court justice invokes internment of Japanese Americans in the debate over states stay at home order. So getting to sit at home and watch Tiger King on Netflix is supposedly the same thing as uh, interning Japanese citizens during comments from Justice Rebecca Bradley made during the virtual hearing. And here's the, here's the funny thing. This is a virtual hearing. So these justices are, are calling themselves virtually. They're not having an, in, an in-person session. They're virtually speaking with each other, saying that, this, that the rules need to be overturned, that the stay-at-home order needs to be overturned. Well, the stay-at-home order needs to be overturned. Why can't you be having this discussion in open court? Because do as I say, not as I do, maybe? That sounds like the correct answer. Um, the lawsuit filed against Wisconsin's Health Services Secretary Dr. Zigny, Andrea Palm, and other health officials who had extended safe at home until May 26th, loosened some restrictions, including golf courses, for libraries, arts and crafts stores, uh, the suit seeks a temporary injunction against the order in a six-day stay so that a new emergency rule can be written up that is consistent with the Wisconsin law. Um, this is the very definition of tyranny. As I said again, this is not tyranny. Being told that you, know, again, you don't have the right to swing your fists so that anywhere near my face, that I'm threatened. You don't have the right to threaten me with a punch. You don't have the right to actually hit me with a punch either. But you also don't have the right to swing your fist at my face because that is assault. So if you don't have the right to swing your fist at me because that's assault, because it is threatening to me, why should you then have the right to violate a stay-at-home order? Why, why shouldn't the government be able to protect people from potentially threatening things like a pandemic? Oh, but people die anyway is what they'll say. Well, people die anyway. Um, you know, so what can I, can I murder now? Can I shoot somebody because people die anyway? You're going to die anyway, so why can't I kill you now? Get it over with. No, that's that's wrong. You know, we should we should be seeking to we should be seeking to protect life as much as possible. We should be seeking to prevent the early loss of life as much as possible. The virus from killing people if they do catch it uh, and and they're susceptible. You know, some people are going to die from this, and that's a shame. But we should be taking actions to reduce those deaths. And, and I just personally think that if we, that we can't be putting the money that people might be losing over people's lives. And if we can spread this out enough so that, you know, the, the hospital system can deal with it and for the long term, 
because there are some hospitals that are cutting back because they're no longer seeing the numbers that they were seeing, but that needs to continue via social distancing. And we need to make sure that we don't have a spike because if you go back again to 1918, if you look at the Spanish flu that took place, uh, the second hit was much worse than the first. So we can see another recurrence, another spike, and a lot of people dead. And there are a lot of people who are like, people need to work. And well, what about the people that are going to commit suicide? So look, as I said to the previous caller, if you give me data, you give me facts that show that the number of people that are going to die by not opening the economy is more than the people that would die if we do open the economy, then in a vacuum, open the economy. Now, now could we, is there an option C that says, well, how are these people dying when we have the economy closed, and can we prevent those while preventing the spread of disease taking super secret option C? To me, if, if we can do that, if we can, if we can focus on those things, that would cause people to die in an economy that's closed, you know, when people are bringing in less money, when people might be more prone to be depressed because they're socially separated from each other. If we can focus on those things and fix those things, reduce those things, come down, um, well, you know, if we can bring that down, then that's, that's, that's option C. Then, then we're both social separating, social distancing, and we're causing you know, we're helping those people get through the tough time that is an economic depression, if you will. Uh, so bring your boy in. Will you consider this, though? People who believe their health may be jeopardized are more than likely to stay home and preventing the virus. I, I have considered that, but the thing is, is that it's not just about, you know, as I said before, the conservatives are saying that um, if you're afraid, stay home. It's not about my personal fear. You know, I, I do go out when I need to. And I wear a mask, and I do I do the grocery shopping for the family. I, I I go out and run the errands for my family that need to be done, and that's all the times I go out is when we have necessary things that have to have to be done, or if we can pick something up like in a socially distant way, then I'll I'll be the one that's doing that. So you don't have to stay home all the time, but you do have to again follow the protocols. But it's not about just me being afraid of myself getting sick or me being afraid of my family getting sick. It's the fact that there's, it's been said that there's maybe a two-week incubation period where people can carry the virus and spread the virus, but yet be asymptomatic. So it's not just about protecting myself. That If it was only worrying about protecting me, and that that's one thing, and then that's a personal decision I can make. But if my decisions, again, affect other people, if if I'm if I'm going to be worried about how I how I affect other people, then I'm going to care about my fellow humans, and I'm going to make sure that I don't harm them or don't. I'm not a potential harm to them. I'm not worrying about their health. We'll be out and about working. It's not about not worry about health. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are worried about their health, who are essential employees, who do have to work. Essential being both people in the medical field, essential being people working at grocery stores, you know, because people need to eat, so you need to go buy your food. So, you know, it, it, if we then, you know, by social distancing, we are making it so that we're not vectors of transmission to other people. We're making it so that, you know, every time I go out, I am a potential vector of transmission. Now, there is necessary time that you're going out. 
and there are not necessary times which are going on. So government and shutting down large sectors of the economy has basically said these areas, by, by shutting down these areas and only allowing people to go to certain areas, you are reducing the vectors that can take place. You're reducing the amount of times that I could potentially get the virus and then reduce, and as such, reduce, reducing the times that I might go spread the virus, bringing it down to um, the number that the experts have said they want to see is they want to see less. If, if I'm if I'm symptomatic or not, if I'm asymptomatic or if I'm symptomatic, they want to see less than one person else otherwise affected by me. So if I'm infected and if I'm if you're infected and we're all 100 people are infected and we're seeing 50 more getting infected by from those 100 people, then that's where we want to see the numbers because the 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 infections are kind of going down, if you will. Even though it's going from 100 to 150, it's not exponentially spreading. But what we were seeing was we were seeing numbers closer to two, that one person who was infected who would go out there would infect two people. And that's the way it spreads, and that's the way it starts getting unmanageable. So, yeah, the reason we initially locked down was for the hospitals wouldn't be overwhelmed, and that's why we still need to continue to be locked down because well, who were saying that, you know, and, and experts like Dr. Fauci, expert, other experts with health. Um, and you can, and, and those people are saying that we could get a resurgence if we don't continue on responsibly and reopening things in a responsible way. And <clears throat> concerned citizens, yes, can walk around with others uh, with no mask or not social distancing. But the problem is, is that if you're a concerned citizen, not for just yourself or your other people, you will walk around without, with a mask. I'm sorry. You will walk around with facial covering, something that will cover anything that you project out from your mouth, any liquids or whatever that might come off of a sneeze or a cough or anything else that might have the disease in it. You're going to catch it with that face covering, and therefore you'll be less likely to spread it to other people. And if everybody does that, then we're going to be less likely to transmit the disease to each other. Um, and let's see, since there are countries who have done well without locking down, which tells me lockdown wouldn't necessarily save lives. Um, lockdown has saved lives because we've, we've managed to slow the spread. And by slowing the spread, you slow the disease, which, which means less likely to get to people that are, that are um, susceptible. Because again, thanks to the consideration, the social, the vectors of transmission, you have, you know, you have somebody who's working at a, a nursing home full of people who are susceptible to the disease because they're older and they're, they're, more in, they're more in danger. That person now goes out and goes to the store. So that person now is coming into contact with other people, right? So those other people, are they being socially distanced or are they not caring? Are they going out, not wearing masks? Are they going out to do all the things to movie theaters, to, to, uh, amusement parks to bars to nightclubs are these all these people that this nursing home that he's going to the grocery store to get his groceries he's coming into contact now with other people who are not social distancing so he's now has much more people that could potentially have the virus give him the virus so that he brings it back to the nursing home that he's working at or she's or there they're working at so um, so that, that, and that's how it's supposed to work. So 
And slowing disease just drags it on longer. I don't slowing disease makes it so that more so that people they think that the same amount of people will get infected eventually. However, the same number of people, it doesn't necessarily mean the same types of people. And so if you, if you, if you limit the number of people who are, who are the healthier individuals by having the healthier people go out and run the errands, then you're going to have a lower mortality rate because they're not going to get it. Um, but the people who are getting it are not the ones at risk. Um, and again, if you have whatever, it's the same mortality, if it's the same mortality rate um, and less people get it, then that's one thing. It's also... If more, if, if the same amount of people get it, but, but the healthier people get it who can survive it, then you then you lower the mortality rate, even though the same amount of people got it. Um, and also, because you're flattening the curve out, you're not overwhelming the hospital system so that other people who deal with the issues that are known about, so for example, um, people bring up heart accidents, people bring up the regular flu, people bring up other sort of sicknesses and other things, heart disease, heart attacks. Now, all the other reasons that you might have to go to a hospital to get emergency treatment or get you know, regular treatment to treat uh, conditions that need to be treated. If the hospitals are overwhelmed with coronavirus patients, then they're not, you're not, they're not going to be able to handle the other things that we've planned for. Again, another reason why we have to stay at home. Um, there is evidence, he, bringing boy in the chat room, there is evidence that contradicts Fauci. I think we should consider more than one person's thought. I, do, I believe that we are. I believe that there are more than there are more than just Fauci. We're talking about this, and more than just I think Blix. There are other experts though who are saying the exact same thing, and I think the consensus is that we are safer if we social distance. We are safer if we cover our faces. We are safer if we do this more cautiously. And I think, you know, a majority of Americans, I think at this point, believe that we should go back later than sooner. Um, not that we should rule by majority, we should rule by science and facts. And even if the majority thought we needed to go back early, true leadership would have stood up and said, look, this is what we need to do. This is why we need to do it. Um, but we currently do not have a president in the Oval Office who is willing to take responsibility. The buck stops nowhere near him. And at the end of the day, we wind up having somebody who is more concerned about getting reelected than somebody who's worried about saving lives. And I would say that. 100%. I do not feel that that is false. I believe that that is a true statement. Um, I think that if he was worried about the people, we would have started testing early. We would have ordered tests early. Apparently, there was one article that said that they offered that masks were made available. There was an offer to make a bunch of masks for us, and, and the country said no, uh, because Donald Trump didn't want the, again, the optics of the whole thing. He didn't want it to be uh, the president with the coronavirus, so he was just going to put that hopeful message out there that it would just disappear and he could bury his head in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. And then when it came time to blame people because we didn't have uh, leadership in the Oval Office that was uh, responsible, that was willing to take responsibility for what happened um, and do what needed to be done to, to save lives, uh, instead he sought to blame other people um, and not take personal responsibility for himself, you know, and, and for the for, for our lack of testing, and then twist the lack of testing uh, that we've had to something other than something that's real, because he'll say that we have the most testings, and even if we perform the most tests, we have a very high population, and as such, we have a much higher population than Seoul, Korea. So yeah, we, we, we beat Seoul, Korea in testing, but on a total basis, but not on a per capita basis. On a per capita basis, we're much, much, much worse, and in order to get accurate data and that's what's going to be driving this that's what i believe 
is going to, and not just me, but I believe that, but we need to study the data. We need to make sure that um, follow everything with facts, logic, and reason. Um, and if we get data that shows that we can come back sooner, then good. I want to come back as soon as possible as long as it's safe. But we don't have the data yet. We don't have enough testing yet. We're nowhere near uh, the testing. And uh, the states may be responsible for, you know, handling of certain health issues, but you can still take the leader as the, as the commander-in-chief, as the president of the United States. You can still, in a state of emergency, you know, hand, be the coordinator, be the person who makes sure to work with the states because a lot of these things deal with interstate commerce. A lot of these, you know, you have trucks that are going between states. You have with uh, not just medical supplies to deal with uh, the, the situation that's going on, but also to deal with, you know, just regular commerce, um, items that you buy off of Amazon, food that you buy uh, is, is transported from one state to another, from one country to another. You have, you have a lot of moving parts that it's much more beneficial if we have a singular person in charge who's willing to take responsibility, who's willing to coordinate with everybody else, and then the, the states can implement uh, these unified things. A lot of the things that are done in states are a lot of times done with model laws that are written um, for other people. So if we can have a model uh, response that, that, that to takes into consideration certain factors, then absolutely we should do it. And, and if there are states that are, that are somehow different outliers, states that don't necessarily meet the, the standards uh, that are that, or the standards that are written generally are not applicable for that state because maybe the state is overly populous. Maybe the state is uh, very widespread and, and very low person per capita, like Montana. Maybe Montana's response could be a little bit different than New York's response. Maybe New York's response in the middle of New York could be different than New York City's response. But if we would have a centralized area that we could, uh, if we have a centralized area that we could be looking towards, and, and you say that if Trump would have done that, he would have been seen as a tyrannical king. I don't believe so. I, I don't see, if that's the thing, I don't think the people that love Trump are going to question anything he does at all. I think Trump could name himself king, and a lot of his supporters would be like, yeah, I'll have the king. I'm happy. I want King Trump. He'd be happy with it. And I think that um, the people who are, if the people who are being uh, led by science and letting science and, and, and the experts inform them of what to do, then I believe that we can stay, that we would say, okay, good. He's doing the right thing. I know for a fact that I would. And if Trump was making the correct decisions, that were good for this, I would not be sitting here criticizing him. I would not necessarily support his reelection, but I would be somebody who would say, look, he is doing the right thing. That's good. He's listening to the experts. Let's all come together and listen to the experts. Um, and the piece, the reason that, you know, people say, well, what about bringing a boy? He says, when Trump stopped the flights from China, people called him racist and shut down. He shut down the flights anyway. Okay he showed that he was willing to do something that potentially bucked some people's popular opinion um, in order to do what he felt was right. 
Uh, Fauci did say that shutting down was right. I think that there needed to be more that was done. But let's look at why. Again, we, I think I discussed this last week, and so you probably weren't listening on the show. Either last week or the week before. Um, that you have the situation, the story of the boy who cried wolf. So, or when somebody tells you who they are, you believe them. Both of those things fly here. So when Donald Trump was campaigning for president, he campaigned on a total and complete ban of Muslims entering this country. Total and complete ban. That's what he proposed. That's a very bigoted, bigoted thing. He didn't propose just seven states, so just seven countries. He proposed a total and complete ban, which screams bigot. Then he tries to block Muslims, not Muslims, Mexicans from getting into the country. And he does so in a way that calls a bunch of them rapists and murderers and criminals. And, and so and, and a lot of people view him as that decision, as the insistence of building the wall, um, even though Mexico has never paid for it, never will. The insistence of paying for the, of doing this wall, his little vanity project, if you will, also was seen as bigoted. Right? So there's two things pointing where he's basically doing something that is bigoted as it pertains to people entering our country. So now Donald Trump says, I want to stop people coming here from China. He doesn't say, I want to stop all flights. He doesn't say, you know, because people are still coming into this country from Europe and landing in New York. And that's why we saw a spike in New York because he didn't do enough. It wasn't enough to just close China because he didn't have all the facts because he didn't allow himself to get all the facts. So there was probably still some bigotry in there, but why would I believe that Donald Trump's travel ban from China is anything but bigotry when his previous actions based on immigration from other countries or travel from other countries was also based in bigotry? And the, the, the moral of the story of the boy who cried wolf uh, is not to continue to believe the, not to continue to believe somebody who lies or who does something in, in the case or does something wrong in case he might do something right the next time. Now, I've said this, you know, there was that global research.ca article that was talking about supposedly the hospitals profiting by inflating deaths or whatever, and somebody had shared this article, and I'm like, yeah, but the boy cried wolf. No, just because somebody was lying uh, before, you know, they were arguing that we should give them the opportunity because they might be telling the truth. No, that's not, that's the moral of the story of the boy cried wolf is if somebody lies, You've, they've, and, they, and continuously does so, that gives you a reason to not believe that they're being truthful any other time. Uh, so no, we can't, uh, we can't go back in time and change uh, what happened in rehash. We have to focus on fixing it so it doesn't happen again. I agree in that, in principle, Donald Trump is still trying to stand up and say, I did the China thing, and nobody, be- nobody believed that it was, it was a good idea. Well, it was an incomplete idea, and so if he's going to continue to, ha- to stand on that and say that he did this thing and he believes it was really, really good when it was incomplete and there's reasons why we all bucked up against him because we didn't believe. Now, furthermore, the World Health Organization, if you read the reasons why they didn't believe it was the best way to do it, is because of the fact that they believe or the feeling, I'm not going to say fact, but they stated that the money that would be spent on enforcing a travel ban could be better spent other ways more efficiently to more efficiently combat the virus. 
So that was their reason. That was the World Health Organization's reasoning for opposing the travel ban, not because they were trying to say that he was bigoted, even though I do believe that people were justified in thinking it was bigoted, but because they believed that it was in, in their practice, in their it is their uh, official beliefs that if you spend money enforcing a travel ban, you could spend money in other ways that will more effectively and more efficiently um, the virus. And again, I don't know if that's specifically true or not, but that's the reason why they did it. So they weren't doing it to be anti-America. They weren't doing it to be anti-Trump as he was trying to paint them out to be. They were doing it because they believed as experts that this is the right, that there are better ways to spend your money to get more bang for your buck. And um, yeah, personally, I believe that uh, people focus too hard on motive, even when something positive comes out of it. <laughs> um, maybe sometimes that is true. Uh, but you have the situation, too, of uh, do the ends justify the means? Um, you know, there, there's also that question. Um, you know, I think that, if, if again, but if Donald Trump is going to continue to rest his case that he did such a good job with this virus because of that one thing, and he's going to keep focusing on that one thing and as, as a reason to ignore everything else that he should be criticized for, then people are going to bring up where he's incorrect or why people believe that way. And that's, it, it's just a fact of nature that you don't necessarily let, if he would just drop it, if he wouldn't bring up the China thing anymore, then people would likely not bring up the China thing anymore either. Um, ego versus That's the thing. The problem with ego versus outcome is that Donald Trump is letting his ego get in the way of a better outcome. He doesn't want to see the economy stay closed for longer. And the reason he doesn't want to see the economy stay closed for longer is because he believes that it will be, a, it will be look, it will reflect poorly on him. And if it reflects poorly on him, that it's going to uh, infect him and his outcome and the outcome of him trying to win the election. But at the end of the day, it's not going to, I mean, he's potentially be hoping furthermore that he that the people who end up dying when you reopen the country are the people that wouldn't vote for him anyway. And as such, maybe that's, that's one other way he could win the election. Now that's very cynical of me. I know. Um, and I am speculating about the motive about, you know, winning the election, but I don't think I'm speculating. I don't, I don't think it's a bad speculation about uh, him not wanting to see the economy because he's desperate to reopen the economy. And when, you know, he sat there and was like, people don't want to stay at home. People want to return to work. We can't do this. He said, we can't do this. He said, Americans can't do something. That is not the, what we should have in a president. It's not Americans. We're not Americans. We're Americans. And we can do things if we put our mind to them. We can fight this virus in a way that we could find creative ways for more businesses to open without risking social distancing and other health measures. And we can fight this virus while, you know, making sure that people wear masks and do all that stuff. And, you know, I have, I know several businesses and businesses that I purchase from, you know, one of them's a, a sells hard cider that they brew their own cider. And is this an essential business? No. But they've then managed to operate in a way now that sells their product in a socially distant way. You, they, you pay online. 
you show up, they drop the bag of stuff on the desk, you then pick it up, and you don't have you don't have to get close to the person. It's done in a very socially distant and responsible way. Somebody else uh, placed up on the North Shore of Lake Pontchartrain in, in Louisiana on the North Shore. Uh, he makes food, uh, and all of it's gluten-free. My wife has celiacs. It's called Palmasanos. If you're listening to New Orleans area, Palmasanos catering up on the North Shore. It's delicious. Go eat it. Free plug for them. So I meet them halfway. He comes and delivers on the South Shore once a week. We go out there. We get the food. We're supporting his business. Where it's being done in a very reasonably safe and uh, responsible way. So as long as we can be creative in how we open these things, fine. But there's some businesses that I, I don't think hair salons and massage parlors, I don't think there are things that need to – you don't need a haircut right now. I mean, yeah, my hair is getting longer than I like it to be. I would love to go have a haircut right now, but I can wait. And, you know, I was even thinking about telling my about the person who does my hair, look, I'm be, I will gladly play and pay for a haircut in advance right now. It's going to help you get through the summer. You know, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll pay for, you know, a little bit up front or I'll pay for, you know, a certain amount of haircuts. So you have enough money to live in. Now, I'll get a haircut later, but you, I'll pay for it now. I've got to pay you now for a haircut on Tuesday. It's the opposite of Wimpy would say from Popeye. So, um. How do, the, how do the customers know that the way the product was handled is done safely, as, as uh, Binger Boy said? We don't know. You have to kind of trust that the, that the place that you're going doing business at, these places that I'm doing business at, I have to believe that these products were handled safely, especially the ones that I'm ingesting. But so far, we've been good, and we, we continue to trust uh, the people who are doing these things and making these products. So at the end of the day, we, you know, we can be creative. We can do these things, but, you know, I, I would rather go back a month too late than a month too early because months too late, you can recover a business. A business can be rebuilt. Humans cannot be re- reincarnated. So if the decision that we have to make is between business being rebuilt and humans being reincarnated, I'm going to go with staying open later and having businesses be rebuilt and following the advice of the experts and making sure that we are opening in a reasonably safe and responsible way. Um, he says, Dan, if the person cutting hair and the customer both know the risk, isn't the decision up to them? No. I mean, I mean, I guess there's nothing that would stop a hairdresser from coming to somebody's house and cutting their hair if they really wanted to, but it's not. You're trying to remain socially distant. And in trying to remain socially distant, uh, you are trying to, again, you're trying to reduce the numbers of vectors of transmission. And, in, in, you know, in a perfect world, obviously in a perfect world, we didn't have the coronavirus to begin with. But in a, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need government to tell us what to do because we would just listen to the experts and follow them and do. And, 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 and everybody's gut reaction to advice heard was, okay, this is going to be good for, our, you know, protecting our fellow humans. So let's protect our fellow humans and be safe. Unfortunately, as you looked from over in uh, Colorado, uh, they had a restaurant open early uh, in violation of the rules. There was no social distancing. The restaurant was packed. There was, there was no masks being going on in there. And the person was doing it specifically because he wanted to fight up against so-called tyranny. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if this one incident cause a spike in disease because now you have a bunch more people who are potentially now vectors of transmission 
who wouldn't have been had this not happened, had they not gone there. And that's what needs to happen nationwide. We need to still remain socially distant until we're certain that we've, we've flattened the curve enough to make sure that the disease is going to be dealt with in a way that's reasonably safe. And so that when we do start opening things back up, we can do so and not have to worry that uh, it's going to fill the emergency rooms and fill the hospitals again and create another spike and uptick. So let's go ahead. This is um, the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Uh, talk from the left, that's right. Um, I most likely will be back next Wednesday. Follow me on Twitter or here. I'll plan the show earlier just in case um, there's an issue. But, you know, it is my birthday next week. So I might either be late, I might schedule it late, or I might do it on a different day. But, you know, follow me at Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan, at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, uh, LiberalDan.com. Subscribe to the channel here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, go support me, Patreon.com at Liberal Dan. Patreon.com slash Liberal Dan as well. So maybe next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk for the last. That's right. <laughs>